All right, find 2 Kings chapter 4, please. A number of years ago, my family uh, sold our house, and a um, little bit of a, um, just since God wanted us to, to make a move, and, and we were uh, growing, and the house we were in just was not sufficient, and, and uh, due to the nature of the situation, I, I wasn't able to build onto that house. And uh, so I asked Pastor Van Gelder, and I said, do you think, what do you think we should do? And he said, if you can do it, why don't you, why don't you sell and move? Okay, no problem. And uh, in my mind, the harder thing was selling, the easier thing was buying. And uh, the nature of how it worked, it sold pretty quick, and buying became a total act of faith. And uh, finding a house, which today, that's totally how it is. Uh, finding a home today is very difficult. And even back then, it was hard. And... Um, I remember we were at a place where we were looking at homes and, and everything we were looking at, it was like we just needed a little bit more. And it wasn't just that we were being, um, assuming on God, we just, we just needed a little bit more. And it was, I don't know how to explain it, but it got to a place where I realized we, were, we needed $30,000 more to get to where we needed to be. And uh, I, don't, I don't remember how it crystallized down to that specific of an amount, but I knew it was 30000 I remember at dinner one night, we were praying and praying about the house, and at the time, we were living in a church house kind of in between, and, and uh, so we're praying around the table, and I had told the kids before we prayed, I said, you know, we need to ask the Lord, uh, because I think we need, we need $30,000 more than we have, and we don't have the $30,000, so let's pray about it. And uh, so... Uh, we're kind of going around the table, and uh, in a way that's a little hard to explain, and maybe you understand what I mean by this, the Holy Spirit spoke in my heart and said, ask me right now for $30,000. And we're kind of praying around the table, the kids are all praying, and I was going to pray last, and so in the quietness of my heart, I said, okay, Lord, give me $30,000. And uh, the Lord said, no, I want you to ask me for it by faith, out loud. And I said, I don't want to. And uh, the Lord said, why not? And, well, because. Well, what if you don't do it? You know, I don't want to hurt their faith, God, you know. And that was the end of the discussion. He didn't say anything else, and I was stuck there at that moment trying to determine, am I going to believe God or not? And uh, we got around the table, and my son Titus was sitting right to my left, and he prayed, and uh, then it got to me. And it was, it was a moment of faith. And I remember praying something like rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, or something, you know, dumb. And the Holy Spirit said, you can ask me or not. And I, it was hard. I don't know why it was so hard. And I, I finally I just took a deep breath and said, now, God, you know we need $30,000. Would you give us $30,000? And as I prayed it, the transaction was made. And I knew I received. And I'm going to talk more about that in just a minute. But we are in 2 Kings chapter 4. And uh, let me give you a brief history lesson just to understand what's happening here in uh, this part of the Bible. Uh, you know, of course, that Israel is God's people. Uh, they were the nation that God had raised up through Abraham and, and uh, the patriarchs, and then obviously as they were called out of Egypt. And they were the nation that God raised up to be a gospel witness to the world. And uh, God intended for the whole world to see his blessing upon his people so that they would inquire about the Lord God uh, Jehovah, and uh, trust him for salvation. And I think we understand the story enough to know, I don't know how successful they were with that task given to them. But probably the, the golden age of national Israel was under King David. Do you remember King David? And it was under David's reign 
uh, that they expanded their coasts and had great blessing and really threw off the, uh, the shackles of uh, foreign oppression and became a powerhouse in the world. And it was after David's death that he was able to transfer the kingdom to his son Solomon. And the most notable thing Solomon did was he built the temple. And the temple was not exactly his temple. It really was his dad's. But because of the nature of just David's life, God wanted Solomon, the, the son of peace, to be the one who would erect the temple. But it was essentially paid for by David, envisioned by David. It was really David's temple built by Solomon. And uh, that was an important day in Israel's history because finally uh, the very presence uh, and uh, a focal point of God was clearly seen. One of the ancient wonders of the world, the temple in Jerusalem. And unfortunately that, that time, that golden era, uh, very quickly changed. Because you and I both know, if you remember the story, Solomon made some pretty bad decisions. Which is ironic because he was the wisest man ever to live. And his decisions essentially were uh, drawing his heart away from the Lord Jehovah. And uh, because of that, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, lost the kingdom. And I'm not going to read the verses to you. I'm assuming that in a crowd like this, you probably generally understand the story. But it was after Solomon's death that the northern tribes followed a man named Jeroboam and uh, revolted against the king, Rehoboam. And uh, that really marked a division of the land. And uh, for a number, really for the rest of the time until Israel was taken captive, there was a separation. Eventually Judah was also taken captive. The way the story reads, the uh, southern tribe of Judah, uh, they had varying waves of revival. Uh, they would fall away from God and then they would see a revival. They'd fall away from God and they'd see a revival. The northern tribes were different. And if you've read the account, you would know that essentially from the point of their separation, they just went downhill, downhill, downhill. And it's really tragic. It's tragic. The northern tribes lost the presence of God. They stopped going to Jerusalem. They set up these other places to worship in Bethel and in way up north in Dan. And they really lost the reality of the Lord working among them. There was one notable miracle, one notable revival... Uh, one notable move of God that happened in the north, and that was under the prophet Elijah. Do you remember Elijah? And, of course, if you remember the story of Elijah, there was that great contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And it was after three years of praying for no rain, and, and the people's heart were, was definitely tenderized. They were burdened about their need. And that day, God answered with fire on the Mount of Carmel. And according to the story, the people in mass fell on their faces and said, The Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, He is the God. And it was a great move of God. Well, if you remember the story, as powerful as the day that was, it didn't last very long because of just some decisions that Elijah made and, and God had to restore him. But there was a lasting impact from Elijah's ministry and that was what we would call the sons of the prophets. And it's uh, near the end of his life, he, he trained up Elisha. And it was through Elisha and Elijah's ministry that these Sons of the Prophets schools were founded. And uh, you might remember a little bit about that. In fact, it was Elisha that was told by these Sons of the Prophets that Elijah was going to go to heaven 
And do you remember that whole story where they said, you know, don't you know you're going to lose your head today? And, and he said, yes, I know it. Hold your peace. And uh, from Elijah's ministry was the transference to Elisha of training these preachers in the school of the sons of the prophets. It's kind of like Bible college, really. It was kind of like Bible college. Uh, so these men, all through the northern tribes, would give themselves to become uh, preachers. Um, probably, in a sense, kind of like lay preachers. So they were getting some training, and they would go, and they would preach. And it kind of reminds me back in the day of Wycliffe. Wycliffe had uh, preachers that he trained up. You know the name Wycliffe? Um, Wycliffe trained preachers. They called them Lollards. The Lollards were these uh, kind of lay preachers that would go around and, and preach the gospel in England, and God used them. And that's what the sons of the prophets were. And the story that we're going to look at here deals with uh, a family that had given themselves in the training of the sons of the prophets, and something bad happened, and God used it. So let's look together. Chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4. It says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And that was her problem. I'm going to challenge you here today with the reality of believing God for miracles as a bridge to the gospel. And I want to pray real quick with you about it, and then let's look at this passage for a couple truths. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd help us here right now as we look at this passage. I pray that you would give us understanding, not just for what happened here, but what you want to do in our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to focus just first tonight on the plight of this simple servant. The plight of this simple servant. And you got to kind of put yourself in the shoes of this woman. Uh, this woman here has a problem. It's pretty obvious. In fact, let me read further. Uh, the problem is essentially her husband's dead. You know, that's a problem. And it goes on and says, And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And so she has a problem. Her problem is not just that her husband died. That's problem enough. But in his death, there was a debt. And uh, I get it. You know, uh, they, they obviously surrendered quite a bit to go off to train and probably didn't make a lot of money in the Sons of the Prophets school. You know, had to pay their school bill and whatever. And so he had amassed some sort of a debt. And uh, probably because he took a step of faith to train to serve the Lord. And uh, now you got to remember where they are. This couple is in the northern tribes of Israel. I mentioned earlier, the northern tribes from literally the day that they separated from the south were on a steady decline. And so this woman and her husband, they made a faith decision that they were going to serve Yahweh with their whole lives. And so they, they decided to give up a career, uh, whatever comforts that everybody else was pursuing around them, uh, you know, the American dream or the, the Israel dream, whatever it was, they sacrificed that, they're going to train for the ministry. And I'm positive in that culture, that was frowned upon. Oh, these people are, they're, they're, they're a little over the top, you know. That woman and, and her husband, though, oh, those are the ones who kind of went over the top for the Lord. And uh, they decided to sell all out for, for the Lord. And you know what's interesting about that story is they sell out for God. They're going to give everything to God. They're, they're all excited to serve God. And in the middle of that, even though everything around them was going against it, all of the pressures of society was don't do it, you're over the top, something really bad happened. Her husband died. Now again, you've got to put yourself in her situation. 
it was already viewed, no doubt about it, as a pretty radical thing that they did what they did. And they actually did something that nobody else around them was doing. Everybody around them was culturally acceptable, just kind of doing their thing. And here these people sell out for God. In the midst of selling out for God, he dies? That thing went bad wrong. And I guarantee you, it was a little bit scandalous to all the neighbors. Oh yeah, did you hear about so-and-so? Poor thing. You know, she thought she was doing the right thing, and here she loses her husband. Poor thing. And I'm sure not only did this woman have to deal with just the reality of the loss of her husband, she had a debt she couldn't pay. She was literally going to lose her sons to indentured servitude. And I am sure everybody around her thought she was crazy. Look what happened to her. Poor thing. Poor misguided thing. And, you know, I'm sure you understand this, but, you know, if you're going to really sell out for Jesus Christ, you will be misunderstood. Did you know that? If you're going to really sell out for Jesus, you're going to be misunderstood. People are going to wonder, why, why, do, you do, why do you go to church all the time? You know, why, why do you dress the way you do? Why do you talk the way you do? Don't you think you're a little bit over the top on this whole God thing? And uh, your neighbors may think it and whatnot. And, you know, your neighbors are watching your life. And here, this, this lady, the neighbors were watching her. And I'm sure they had negative opinion about what she was doing, but they were watching her, and then something bad happens. She lost her husband. Well, she made a right choice in all of this, and that is she went to the man of God. Look at verse 2. Well, let me go back to verse 1. She cries to the prophet Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest, thy servant feared the Lord, and now we have a problem. The creditors come to take unto my, him my two sons to be bondmen. Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me. What hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath nothing, had not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. All right. So I want you to notice now, secondly, her problem was pretty clear. She had a debt. She had no ability to pay off her debt. Uh, she was in a bad way. But I want you to notice, secondly, then, the promise of a miracle. And this is very clear in the passage. Look at verse number, I think I'm at four. Um, uh, and when, uh, so, I'm sorry, let me back up here. Um, verse number three. Then he said, Go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. And uh, when he communicated this to her, it was clear to her, and it was clear by what he said, that a miracle is going to happen. She only had a little bit of oil, but between you and me in this passage, that's all she needed. All she needed was a little bit of oil. What is the oil always a picture of in Scripture? Always. The Spirit of God. So she didn't have much, but she had God. She had the oil. And the, and the prophet said, okay, here's what you need to do. Go to your neighbor's borrow vessels, come into the house. You're going to pour the oil into the vessels. It's going to be a miracle. God's going to provide from it. How does that sound? Yes, sir, sounds good. And according to the passage, you have every reason to believe that she went out and borrowed a lot of vessels. It doesn't say how many, but notice where she had to get her vessels from. She had to get her vessels from door-to-door -door vessel getting. She had to literally go to her neighbors. And I've already tried to explain to you, but her neighbors doubtless had a little bit of a raised eyebrow view of this woman. Uh, she sold out for Yahweh, and they were a little over the top. You know, these religious 
zealots, and then look what happens. Now her husband's dead. And she's having to go to her neighbors. Hey, can I ask you a favor? Can I just borrow a couple vessels? Sure. What for? Well, the prophet told me to borrow some. Oh, the prophet. What for? It's a little hard to explain, but I just need these vessels because, well, we're going to see a miracle. I'm sorry? We're going to, well, we're going to see a miracle. Listen, can I just borrow the vessels or what? I mean, this is, you know, just trust me. And uh, I guarantee every house she went to, that was a very difficult thing to do. Because they already probably viewed her as a little over the top, and now she's borrowing vessels because she's going to see a miracle. Oh, yeah, what kind of a miracle? Like when your husband died? And she literally had to, to so trust in what the prophet said that she was willing to be um, deal with the shame of going to her neighbors. How many vessels did she get? I don't know. It doesn't say. She got quite a few, I'm sure. So she went to this neighbor, borrowed them, had to deal with just the shame involved in asking for vessels because she's told a miracle is going to happen. She's never seen it happen yet. And so she does what she's supposed to do. But I want you to notice then thirdly, and that would be this. Uh, well, let me, let me continue on. Um, so it says in verse number five, um, so she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more. And I want you to read with me the next four words. Can you read it out loud with me? What are the next four words? And the oil stayed. Okay, and I think you understand just from reading the story what that means. Had she had another vessel, the oil would have kept flowing, right? Um, so it, it reads in the passage that the oil flowed as long as vessels were available. But when the vessels were all filled, the oil stayed. All right, the story goes on. It says... Um, Bring me yet a vessel. There's not a vessel more. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. And, of course, she did that. She took that oil, went and sold it in the market. It was clearly enough money for her to pay off her debt, secured her sons, and no doubt there was enough money for her to live on, and God blessed her. Well, I'm sure the neighbors watched it. I'm sure the neighbors realized what happened. And you know that miracle that she told him was going to happen, that she had never seen before, and it was a little hard to communicate a dependence on a miracle, it happened. And I guarantee you those neighbors were very impacted by her seeing that miracle. So let's think down the road. Her sons grow old, and, and they marry, and, and they have children, and they come see Grandma. And, uh, hey, Grandma, tell us the story again about the vessels. Oh, yeah, let me tell you the story. And I guarantee this lady loved to tell the story about the vessels. Oh, yeah, your dad and your uncle and me, we had that oil and we poured it out. It was so exciting. Oh, Grandma, that's a great story. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you a question about this lady. As she tells that story to her grandchildren, what is the one regret she would have thinking back on that day? What's the one regret she would have had? Of course, God blessed it, right? God paid off her debt. 
what's the one, what is it? She could have gotten more, right? Okay, now again, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to put myself in this lady's position. She had to go get vessels from her neighbors who already thought that she was over the top. And so to go to these neighbors and say, can I borrow a vessel because, because the man of God says I'm going to see a miracle. Do you know how very difficult that was? She had never seen it happen. I mean, you've read the story. You go, oh, of course. But she didn't know that. She didn't know. She knew what was supposed to happen. She'd never seen it happen. And she's having to go tell her neighbors that Yahweh is going to do a miracle. And they're already looking at her funny because she's dealing with this problem because she sold out to God. And now God's going to do something more for her. It was a difficult thing. But she obeyed. She got vessels. And as she's pouring out the oil, everything's changing. She's going from shame to excitement. Like, this is, wow, this is amazing. Get another vessel. Mom, we're all out of vessels. Oh. And as, she, as, as her grandkids sat on her lap and she told stories about it, her only regret is she should have gotten more. Had she known, had she somehow could have known, she would have been a fool for vessels, right? She would have had vessels in her front yard, on her roof, you know. She would have had them everywhere, you know. She wouldn't have cared what the neighbors thought. No, you only have two vessels? I need like ten. Come on. I need more vessels. So the only regret is that she didn't get more. This lady could have been a multi-shekel heir, you know, whatever. She would have been a multi-billionaire shekels, you know, whatever. Okay. Um, she could have been... But, you know, at the time of, she was a little measured in what she did because it was not that easy to communicate her dependence on God. Had she known, she wouldn't have cared what anybody said to her. She would have gathered vessels like a mad woman. Let me just challenge you with two thoughts here tonight, and that's this. I think often we do fall prey to what this woman fell prey to. She obeyed. There, there's, there's nothing in the story that makes you feel like she did anything wrong. She didn't do anything wrong. Her problem was not her fault. Her going to the prophet was, not her, it was certainly not a bad thing. She obeyed what the prophet said. It's just, in hindsight, how much more could she have seen? And I do feel like often in our Christian life, we are the ones who hold back the fullness of what God would do because it's hard for us to really pray according to the greatness of what God wants to do. And uh, I think there's a sense in our lives where in our prayer we gather not a few vessels when God wants us to be a fool for vessels. And I want to challenge you, number one tonight, with this. Don't you measure the greatness of what God can do by your lack of understanding of how miraculous his working is. And I'm confident in all of our lives God wants to do so much more. But we pray a few vessels when God wants us to be a fool for vessels. But when we bought our house, it was interesting as we, I'd prayed with my kids for $30,000. And, and uh, I'm telling you, I made a transaction uh, with the Lord. I knew it. I just knew it. Maybe you've experienced that before. I knew a transaction was made. And in fact, after dinner that night, I called my wife into the bedroom and I said, I don't know how to explain it, but... I got it. God gave us $30,000. So I was talking to my mortgage, um, uh, my, my, my uh, mortgage banker on the phone, and we're talking about things, and I said to him, I said, you know, Gary, um, I really think we're just a little bit shy of where we need to be, 
um, I need $30,000 more. This is my mortgage banker. I need $30,000 more. And the other day I prayed about it, and God's going to give me $30,000. Silence on the other end of the phone. He didn't know what to say. Nobody's ever said that to him before. And I felt like a fool saying it. But I knew that's where I was at. I don't have time to explain the rest of the story. But you know, uh, the reality is, by the time everything was said and done, and God gave us the house that we're in today, God had given us $30,000. And that's another story, another message, but I'm going to talk about Gary for a minute. Do you know that miracle that God did in that $30,000 was as much for Gary as it was for me? And uh, I want to challenge you then on another level. Number one, get vessels for your own sake and for God's glory. And number two, just because it seems like everything went wrong doesn't mean it went wrong. It means God made an opportunity. And God wants to actually do in your lives miraculous doings because people are watching. And of course, miraculous doings are exciting for you, right? Absolutely. But your neighbor needs to see it. Your lost loved one needs to see it. And this woman seems like her life went bad wrong. And in fact, God did a great thing through a bad situation. And uh, I just want to encourage us tonight in those two ways. Number one, let's gather vessels. Let's not us measure what God would do because we're afraid to ask for more than we can envision. And number two, don't hesitate to let people around you see your problem because it's your very problem that God wants to deliver in to give you an opportunity to witness to the power of God. And uh, may the Lord bless tonight.